0: This is episode number 77 with Miss Jaya. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week I'll be getting up close and personal with Leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation, so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Beautiful. Jaya is an internationally recognized award winning sexologist, best selling author, and the creator of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough and the Erotic Blueprint Quiz. She is also the author of four books and she believes that sex isn't just something we do. Sex is essential to your health, your vitality and your vibrant aliveness. And her mission is to help people like you claim your desires and gain access to your erotic ecstasy. For over two decades of practice as a semantic sexologist and body worker, through observation and clinical research, she discovered a map of arousal that reveals your specific erotic language of orgasmic delight, a revolutionary framework for deep sexual satisfaction. She discovered we all have a unique erotic blueprint. And in today's episode, we chat about her journey to where she is today, her first experience of shame and guilt and what it taught her, why there is so much shame, taboo and guilt around sex, sexuality and our bodies and how we can let go of that today, how she discovered and created the five erotic blueprints, why you are not broken and never were, Why you need to know yours and your partner's erotic blueprint and what this will do for your relationship. The five different erotic blueprints and how you can find out yours today. What she attributes her success to. The very risky experiment that she is currently doing with her partner. You guys are gonna find this so fascinating. Why we need to adopt the pleasure first mentality into our life, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 77. And without further ado, let's bring on this goddess, Miss Jaya. Welcome Jaya. I am so excited to have you on the show. But before we dive in to the juiciness of this conversation, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: I had a crazy shake. So it was heavy whipping cream, almond milk, colostrum, collagen powder, pearl powder, bone broth protein, raw egg, (laughs) glutamine like supplement for my intestines, (laughs) stevia, xylitol, a bunch of herbs thrown in there, like for my sex drive and all kinds of fun stuff and lots of super great fats. Ah, uh, yum. I'm so coming
0: to your place next time I'm in LA for breakfast.
1: Uh, it's epic. I do epic smoothies. I'm a, I'm a foodie-aholic, So I kind of love making something just outstanding in the morning to get me going and because it just starts my day. So I like eating an orgasmic diet. That's what I say I'm on. Mm, I love that. I'm so subscribing to that diet.
0: Sounds awesome. So I would love to hear about your story and how you got to doing the work that you're doing now. I'm just so fascinated by you and your work. So can you tell us how you got here?
1: Wow. It has been such a long and epic journey. And I'd say it started when I was very, very young. Somehow I saw Dr. Ruth. I don't know, like it was something, something in me was just driven for this. There were two things I wanted to be when I grew up, Dr. Ruth and an opera singer or like musical theater performer, some kind of actress, dancer, singer, something or another. So ever since I was young, this was a passion of mine. And I have been on this mission and this calling. It's like some kids, you know, it's like, I'm great at drums, so I'm going to become a drummer or some people are great at accounting and that's what they're gifted at. I think I came into this world erotically gifted and I've spent most of my life cultivating that and living that and on a mission because it's more than just something that I do. It truly is a calling.
0: And so, growing up as a child, did you know you were going to go down that path or did you, you know, have all of these different ideas? Like, what was the vision for you? Well,
1: because we live in such a culture of shame around sexuality and a lack of conversation around it, I did have this sense, you know, we all have our inciting events. I want you all who are listening just to think about what was your inciting event, your first event where you knew sex wasn't okay? Or you knew your sexuality wasn't okay or your pleasure wasn't okay. And so I had this natural curiosity, this natural. I mean, there's all, I have all kinds of stories I could tell you. <laughs> I'm sure we've all had those times, those moments of either exploring our own bodies or maybe it was playing kiss and catch or some, some games that we played or doctor when we were kids. And then you get caught or then you get shamed. And so I had this always desire, this curiosity, this desire to teach, to share, to talk about. And throughout life, there'd be these inciting events of shame. One was I was in the bushes with a boy across the street. And, you know, of course, I was doing some doctory thing of show me your stuff and I'll show you mine. Kind of you show me yours, I'll show you mine in the bushes. And I wasn't supposed to be across the street and my grandmother caught me across the street and called me over and I thought I was in trouble because I was across the street. So I went and hid under the bed and she called me out. I got, I came out finally. She's like, what were you doing? And I told her what I was doing and her words to me was, you're bad. You're such a bad girl. And that languaging is so shaming because then I take on like, oh my gosh, I enjoyed this. I liked this. This was so much fun. I must be a horrible, bad person because this this adult figure that I love so much is telling me I'm bad. And then I got and then I got hit. So content warning: I am going to talk about uh, a trauma and on this probably and some just some topics that may be triggering to everybody. So I want you all to just breathe as I'm talking about them because so many of us have ex- have experienced these things, and I think it's important for us to have our erotic freedom that we start talking about them. We start uncovering them. We start healing them and really looking at where these things come from because the majority of us, the shame around our sexuality doesn't belong to us. So this is my grandmother's shame. My grandmother and my grandfather slept in separate bedrooms. I don't know if they ever had sex, but this, this idea that I'm bad started getting carried with me, but then it would go away because I was so compelled. I was so like curious. I was so into this idea of sexuality and pleasure as through my whole life. And it's like, it just wouldn't go away. No matter how much culture shamed me, no matter how much family shamed me, no matter how many experiences of shame I had, I went, wait a minute, there's something here. And this is what I'm driven and passionate to do. And I will never, ever, ever give up until every single woman on this world and this planet is free to be who they are and free to be sexually expressed and feel 100% safe in the world to do that.
0: Mm, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Wow. So, why do you think there is so much taboo and shame around sex and sexuality and our bodies? Like, where did it first come from?
1: I think it comes from a power, of a fear of the power. I think it comes from a fear of when we are truly sexually free, we're free. And there's a there has been a fear of the power of the feminine. So, if I speak to just People in female bodies or who identify as female that there is a fear of that power. You know, how much, how many times have we been persecuted for speaking out for our sexuality, for our witchy wonderfulness? And that piece of just there's, there's some kind of fear of this unknown or the power and the bigness of our sexuality and what it means and all the meaning we place on it. And there's so many things that can back up the shame. So our parents weren't educated about sex and I'll argue about education. So let me back up just a little bit. I want to ask everybody a question. What was your sex education growing up? I didn't have one. (laughs) So this is the answer I get. I didn't have one, right? Like I didn't get a sex education, but I want you to really think about it. You did get a sex education. What were the messages your parents were giving you? What were the messages your grandparents? What were the messages the culture was giving you? What was the message from religion? What was the message? And it's not that anything here is like, I don't want to make anything bad and wrong. I just know what's okay and what's not okay. And to me, shame in any area is not okay. And what shame says is that we are bad as opposed to maybe that behavior wasn't the best choice. Do you see the difference? Like maybe that behavior of when you're a six-year-old playing in the bushes wasn't the best choice or wouldn't be the choice I would make. But let me educate you about your body. Let me tell you about what this this whole thing is about. And let me talk to you about the curiosity as opposed to you're bad. Or naughty. Or naughty. Or I love how you say it. I have to (laughs) say naughty. Um, So just think, like everybody think about that. What was your sex education? What were the messages? And where does that shame come from? It's not even ours and this is generational. And so our parents learned it and was passed down. Our culture has learned it and it's been passed down from the Victorian age. You know, there's so much in our history and then there's times in our history where it wasn't taboo. And so where did it turn into taboo and why? And I love looking at the history. So for those of you who love just like digging into some of that, I highly recommend just starting to research. Like when did that shift? When was like sexuality was celebrated and then all of a sudden that shifted and why? And for me, it's about power. It all comes down to power. And then the idea that it gets that teaching about sexuality gets passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And it's not blaming our parents and our grandparents. They did the best that we could, but it is going, wait a minute, that's not mine. And let me now uncover what is mine and really educate myself so that I know now that I can make empowered choices, not from shame, but empowered choices from who I'm choosing to be and what I love and what I desire and what turns me on in the world. Oh my gosh, I just love this so much. My latest book is called
0: Open Wide, a radically real guide to deep love, rocking relationships, and soulful sex. One of the main things that I talk about is how we all love to give and receive love differently. For example, like growing up, my mom would buy me clothes and little gifts to express her love. And she was one of eight children and didn't have a lot growing up. So she loved being able to buy me little things to express her love. But to me, those gifts weren't what I truly desired. How I love to receive love was through quality soul time with her, you know, that physical connection and cuddles and kisses. And I craved those moments when we would sit on the couch and just drink a cup of tea together. And it's not like I was ungrateful for the things that she gifted me. They just didn't have the same impact as her sitting with me for 10 minutes and doing my hair. Like My love language was that soul connection. And the way she expressed her love was different from how I like to receive love. And neither are right nor wrong, they're just different. And I then discovered the work of Gary Chapman and his five love languages. And I realized that we all have different ways uh, that we love to communicate love and different ways we love to receive it. You know, people love thoughtful gestures, some people love that verbal love. You know, I love you, you're so beautiful. Other people love meaningful gifts like, you know, just a flower or that soul time together. Or some people like me, I love that physical, emotional, and spiritual connection, that soul time. And I guess your work, The Erotic Blueprint, is kind of the same, where we all love to give
1: and receive pleasure in different ways. Is that correct? You know, it's interesting because when I first started creating the blueprints, it wasn't so much about like, oh, these are our, like, it was just the ways that I noticed people being wired. Like, oh, wait a minute, this person is turned on by this and this person is turned on that by that. And so if I backpedal here just a little bit on how this kind of came to be was I work with many, many clients around challenges, like I don't get aroused, I can't get an erection, I don't feel desire for my partner, we're in a sexless relationship, things like this that I would see over and over again, health challenges around sex, but the biggest one was always a disconnect between what really turns me on and who I'm supposed to be, like who the culture says, I'm, I'm a man and therefore I'm turned on by this, or I'm a woman and therefore this means X, and being caught in very limited definitions and stereotypes. And so working with so many people, and I work somatically, which means I'm body-based. I'm paying attention to what's happening in the body. I started to notice patterns and I started to call it wiring, like how people were erotically wired, which later evolved into erotic blueprints. And each blueprint has a positive, like what they're turned on by and their superpowers. And each blueprint has a shadow side, like what is their block. Uh, Emily Nagaski in her book, Come As You Are, talks about the breaks and the accelerators. So the positive is like the accelerator, the thing that puts the gas in your erotic life and gets you moving forward. And then the breaks are the shadow pieces, the things that are meant to be healed in our eroticism. So then I was like, these are kind of like languages. It's like speaking languages. Like people talk about sexual compatibility. I don't think that it's, oh, I'm I'm incompatible with you. I think that that's a mythology. I think actually it's that we just speak different languages, just like the love languages. And if we can learn how to speak the other person's language, it's so beautiful. So we don't say to somebody who speaks Spanish and we speak English, like, I'm sorry, I can't be in love with you because you speak Spanish. We say, hold on, let me learn Spanish. Or they say, hold on, let me learn English so that we can speak the same language. And I think of it the same way. So if you have a partner, or if you're single, doesn't matter. This is really about learning how to honor yourself and who you are and how you're turned on. You're not broken, you're absolutely normal. And that's a message I want everybody to get because so many people think they're broken in their eroticism. And it really is as simple as learning how to speak someone else's language. You just have to be willing.
0: Yeah, I love this so much and thank you for saying, you know, we're not broken and I see it a lot. A lot of women come to me and they feel disconnected from their partner and they feel broken and they're on the verge of divorce or separation and I've pointed a couple of people to your work and it's radically changed their life and it's also saved their marriages and their relationships, so thank you for your work. Can you tell us about the five different erotic blueprints? Like what are they? And why is it so important that we know
1: our own and our partners? For those of you who love to take notes, I'm I'm a huge note taker and I love like having the five blank spaces in my notebook. So I really encourage everybody to write this stuff down um, as I go through them. But I want to start with your first question, which is why is this important? And I've really looked at this because I, I get so many letters, like you said, you know, and I had a really, I like a deep breath came in my body and really receive people in tears saying, Oh my gosh, I now understand what's happening in my relationship. Or, Oh my goodness, I now have compassion for my partner. Oh, I'm not broken. I'm just wired this way or I'm not weird. And so it really just helps us give a language and an understanding. It helps us give a language to talk about sex. Sex is so difficult for so many people to talk about. And one of my missions is that we create a conscious conversation about sexuality so that we can up-level the whole consciousness around sexuality. Because there's so much dark, icky gunk around it, but if we can talk about it and we have a language to talk about who we are erotically, and it just becomes an easy conversation just like what kind of clothes you like to wear or what kind of tea you like to drink that we can just up-level because we are having these conversations and that we can honor one another. And that's what's really important. Like I'll share some stories about my partner and I, and this was something that saved our relationship. So to me it's it's vital that we all know these things about ourselves because once you know yourself you can communicate to somebody else and you can get the satisfaction that you crave you can get the level and depth of commun- of connection that you want and you can start just living relationship and sexuality at a whole new level. So let's dive into the five types. The first one is energetic and I'm curious which type you are. I'm an energetic. You're an energetic. I thought so. As soon as she's talking about soul connection being really important to you, I'm like, oh, I think she's an energetic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my score came out energetic, then sensual, then shapeshifter, then sexual, and then kinky.
1: Awesome. Okay, cool. So I have an idea. Like just hearing that, like I just light up because I know who you are and I know how to like talk to you. It, It just it becomes like a hack of. Now I can completely honor this person. I know exactly how to talk to them. I know exactly what to do with my energy. I know exactly what to do with my body language. This thing is so much bigger than just in the bedroom. People have been using it with their businesses. People are using it for enrollments of other people in their life. Like It just can be such a game changer. Okay, so energetic. Energetic is someone who is turned on by space, anticipation, tease, and yearning. So energetics love to feel the longing and the yearning in sexuality and relationship and the anticipation of what's about to happen. Their superpowers on the positive side are that they're they're so sensitive that they could orgasm without anybody even touching them. So like energetic orgasms soulgasms, like gasms on a whole other realm are possible for the energetic. And when I talk about this, I just want to notice if anybody gets triggered when they go, wait a minute, soulgasms, I'm not having soulgasms or energetic orgasms. Wait, what? what? I'm not having those. I must be broken. I want you to watch those thoughts. I don't talk about any of this to make anyone feel inadequate or broken or wrong. I share because I want you to know what is possible. When we talk about sexuality, we talk about the tip, the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much that is possible for us to experience in our human bodies. And you don't ever have to experience any of it. You could be like, you know what? I just want to have an orgasm. Awesome. Perfect. I celebrate you. You don't have to have soulgasm. So just, I just wanted to put that out there because sometimes people start feeling like they're inadequate because they're not experiencing this stuff. And instead of, I want you to just shift the frame to, wow, I get to experience that someday. Or, you know what? Wow, I really want to learn that. That sounds really interesting. Instead of feeling broken, wrong, or something's wrong with you if you're not experiencing those things, or that you have to ever experience it. You don't. That's what you want to experience is completely up to choice and up to you and your body. Okay. So positives. Superpowers are all these different kinds of orgasms, soulgasms, orgasms without being touched, Experiencing hypersensitivity where the sun could just shine on your skin in the right way and you're in an orgasm. So energetics can stay in orgasmic state. They can go into or, like orgasmic being. They experience sexuality on a whole other realm. They're like the Jedi knights of sex. So if you're with an energetic and you have any energetic in you, you might experience, cause it can happen like it's contagious where you start experiencing other kinds of energy and sexual energy moving through your body like you've never experienced before. So these transcendent states with sexuality are a huge possibility for people who have this high in their blueprint. And then on the shadow side is the hypersensitivity can be detrimental in that there's so much sensitivity that you become so hypervigilant that you overwhelm and short circuit. So how this shows up in the male body people may be that you premature ejaculate as pleasure gets super high or you feel your partner's uh, pleasure getting so high, your body goes into overwhelm and you instantly climb, have an ejaculation or climax. It can also happen in the female body. I can have an orgasm in 60 seconds less than that. Sometimes it's just like something touches me the right way and boom, my body orgasms and I get oversensitive because it's a way that my body deals with the overwhelm of information and the overwhelm of pleasure is just a short circuit. And I don't know if some of you may have experienced this where you're in the middle of sex or, or like there's all this heat building up. And then as soon as it gets physical, it's like it all kind of goes away or you're in the middle of sex and you just lose it, lose all the arousal. And you're like, wait a minute, where did it go? But then you don't speak up about it. And this is another challenge for the energetic. Another shadow is that we oftentimes are very bad at setting boundaries that we need so desperately. And what happens is we start building up resentment in our bodies because we override the body and we override the messages of the body when the body needs to slow down, when the body needs to stop, when we need more space, we oftentimes don't ask for it. So that's a little bit of the energetic. There's a lot to this. It's a very deep system. I want to make sure we get to all of the blueprints. So that one is, I'm high and energetic too. Do you remember what your percentage of energetic was? It was 37.5. So you're really high. That's, that's pretty like anything over 30%. You're, you know, you're, you're pretty high up on the energetic. I think I'm around the same, like 30, 36, something like that. Energetic. Yay. Yay. Fellow energetic. So the next one is sensual. And the sensual is turned on by all of their senses being ignited. So this is, and notice just even in my voice, like I'm slowing down, it's kind of like delicious syrup and the smells of something, the taste of something, the environment being a certain way, body-to-body contact, it's the smells, the taste, the The sights, it's, it's all of those senses being richly ignited. So a sensual and their superpowers brings beauty to the sexual experience, brings relaxation, brings depth of comfort, brings full body experience. The sensual orgasms are things like full body orgasm. They're a food gasm. You know, when you've got something just delicious in your mouth, energetics can do that, those too they're experiencing more like in the female body it could be like uterus womb orgasm it's it can have a femininity to it but there are many men who are sensual so i don't want people to con- confuse that it's the candles it's the delicious it's the delight it's the scrumptious in it's the dance in eroticism and so sensual on their shadow side is being very caught in their head so once they're in their body it's glorious it's rapturous but once they're caught up in their head, and maybe you all relate to this, you're in the like, somebody's going down on you or something like that. And all of a sudden, you're like, Oh, gosh, is it okay down there? Did, when did I shave last? Does everything smell okay? Um, they've been down there for a long time, wonder if their neck's okay. Or then you start thinking about the bills or the laundry or, and you're down a rabbit hole, instead of like enjoying what's happening between your legs. Now you're off somewhere else thinking and you're stuck up in your head, and it's hard for you to get in your body. So, so I know a lot of people really relate to that shadow piece of the sensual. And then it, you could be afraid of mess. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention one of the energetic shadows that shows up a lot is hierarchical thinking. I'm better than everyone else because I'm more enlightened because I don't do those base things like eat hamburgers. And that was me. I was that person who was like, oh, my God, they're eating hamburger. Oh, my God, they watch television. You know, like that can be <laughs> they're not in there. They're not enlightened. Can be one of the energetic shadows. So sensual shadow is they also get judgy and hypervigilant and not nobody, anything can be right or do right. So, you know, oh, my partner never does that right. I've asked them a thousand times and they're still not getting it right or their, their breath smells. And no matter how many times I've asked them to brush their teeth and you just get fixated on it and don't really know how to get your needs met. And you kind of sit in resentment and the body builds up resentment and then your turn off can go completely away. So that's sensual. You were secondary sensual, right? 25%. 25%. So sensual, I'm like, I'm like almost zero sensual. So <laughs> this is one that I've had to learn how to cultivate. And my partner, Ian, is mostly sensual. So I'll share, I'll share some funny stories about around that in a moment. So the next one is the sexual. And the sexual is my primary. So I'm like, I think I'm like 40% sexual somewhere somewhere in there. When I'm in a relationship, when I'm first meeting somebody, I'm a little bit more energetic than I am sexual. But once I get in a relationship, I am very, very sexual. So sexuals are turned on by nudity, penetration, getting to the climax, reaching that end goal. We have sex to relax. Whereas a sensual will relax first before they can get into a sexual experience. They want to create that relaxation and luxury before they go into sex. Whereas a sexual is just like, all right, come on. Like, let's go. And then they feel better after they've gotten to that climax or that end goal. Everything feels right in the world when a sexual is having sex. And sex for them means intercourse, penetration, climax. You know, somebody is getting to that end goal, usually both people, and then they're very, very happy. So shadow is that they do have a limited definition of sex, but I'd say in their positive, they're fun. There's a simplicity to the sexual blueprint. I mean, for me, it's just like, all right, I need penetration. I have my orgasm. I'm happy. I'm good. We don't need any frills. So shadow side can also be, and I I speak to this because I have this shadow, is, gosh, why does everything have to be so complicated? Why can't we just get to it already? You know, <laughs> like everyone else, and, and you may have heard this from a sexual partner, which is, I don't understand what's wrong with you, because it's really hard for them to understand the other blueprints. So they may see their partner as like something's wrong with them or broken. They may say, oh, my other partners are fine. Like, what's the big deal? It's easy. This is so simple. You may hear that from them. So on their positives, they're just joy. There's simplicity. There's usually ease in getting aroused. So I can go from zero to 60 very, very quickly. I have no trouble having clitoral climax or uh, penetration oriented orgasms. So there's there's somewhat of an ease in the positive side. Now, on the shadow, another shadow is because of the limited definition of sex, a sexual will feel like their sex life is over if, for say, they can't get an erection. If they aren't getting wet, then that they, they equate erection and wetness with arousal, which if you're any other blueprint, you'll know that arousal could mean that you're not wet at all or you have not an erection at all and you're still very, very aroused. So because of the limited definition, for example, I have clients sometimes who go through prostate cancer or heart attacks or strokes or things that really affect their sexuality, and they may not be able to get aroused or get an erection, and they just give up on sex instead of going, wait a minute, there's like energetic and sensual, there's all kinds of other different kinds of sex, and I'll, I, I'll teach them energetic, and they start having orgasms again that have nothing to do with the physical, and they're just like, whoa. And then they're grateful sometimes for their limitation because it opened up a new world for them. So that's pretty much the sexual blueprint. And I I do want to bust a myth here because we've now had over 40,000 people take our online quiz to determine your blueprint. And what we thought, and this is what a lot of advice is, oh, your guy is sexual and your woman is sensual. So go home, light some candles and give her a hot bath and she'll get in the mood for sex. Well, as we see, that doesn't necessarily apply. We have a lot of women who are sexual. We have a lot of men who are energetic. And what we're seeing it, through having 40,000 people take our quiz is that the stereotypes actually don't apply and can be detrimental for a lot of people. Because if just think about it, like if you've been given that advice to go home and make your wife a hot bath, or if you think the hot bath and the candles are supposed to turn you on, it just leads to feeling more broken as opposed to like, wait a minute, like I don't have any sensual I don't like hot bath. I mean, I like a hot bath, but it's not going to turn me on. It's not going to get me in the mood. So I think it's really important for us to really know who we are so that we can know what it is that actually does turn us on and start to communicate that. Absolutely.
0: And we can link to the quiz in the show notes. So for anyone listening that wants to go and discover what they are, we can link to that. And I would highly recommend going and doing it. It's really interesting. So what's the next one? The next one is kinky.
1: And this is your lowest one, right? Yeah, I had 6.25%. So you're low on the Kinky scale. And it would be interesting to see what happens if you do your if we discover this through the body because the quiz is very mental and I, I think the best way to really determine blueprints are to play games through the body and find out because this is the one that oftentimes shows up When we're doing the embodied test, but doesn't show up so much in the mental test, and it's because I think a lot of people have shame around it, not saying that that's where you're at, because you could truly be 6% kinky, but that this is the most misunderstood blueprint. I'll say that just to define the blueprint for people, because you may think of kink, and may start going to all kinds of different ideas and projections about what that means. Kink means anything that's taboo for you. So it's playing in the realm of the naughty. It's playing in the realm of the taboo. And there are two different types of kinky. So one type is a psychological kinky. So psychological kinky is turned on by, let's say you're blindfolded. I just want everybody to imagine you're blindfolded and you're dressed in something just amazing. And your partner is across the room from you and they say, spread your legs. I want to see just how naughty you are. Something like that. Now, that may not be your thing. Maybe you're the one who wants to be in control. So just feel into that. Maybe you're the one saying, spread your legs and just feel into that. And feel what happens in your body as I'm speaking. And there might be turn off, there might be turn on. You might imagine yourself in one role and have turn off and the other role and have turn on. And so in the kinky psychological, there may not even be any touch. It's just a power game. It's power dynamic. I'm more kinky psychological. I'm very low in kinky as well. And I'm more kinky psychological, don't touch me, more like dark energetic. It's almost energetic. But it has a power dynamic to it, which makes it kinky. And then there's the kinky sensation-based. And this is people who love things like scratching, biting, being spanked, playing with whips and ropes and paddles, and or experiencing constriction being tied down. And there's people who like both. So my partner Ian tested, I think he's 43% kinky. And then he's sensual, right underneath kinky. And sexual is 0%. So I want you to imagine our relationship. So here I am. I'm a sex expert. And I have been teaching sex. I've written four books with every sex technique. Oral sex techniques and erotic massage sex techniques and sex positions. And I've made all these videos. I know hundreds of techniques. And I come to bed at night. And I put my hand on my partner's genital area. And I say, would you like to have sex tonight? With more language than that. And (laughs) my partner is pretty shut down and says, I'm tired, and rolls over and goes to bed. So if you can imagine, I am world-renowned for all of these sex techniques. I've written all the books on the sex techniques, three years, and I can't get my partner interested in sex. I roll over, he rolls over and starts snoring, I roll over and I cry myself to sleep at night because I feel completely incongruent with my work. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that, where you want to connect so badly and... You just can't figure out the abyss that's there or you want to create that epic relationship if you're single and you just can't figure out how to really communicate what it is you want, need, desire what you're creating and get to that place. And so we didn't know that he was a kinky at this point in our relationship. And I got assigned to write a book on kink because of 50 shades of gray coming out. And I didn't really know too much about the topic. It wasn't even in my blueprints model. That's how blind I was to the whole thing. And here, you know, I could, he was have struggling with erection and, you know, I'm taking striptease classes. I'm touching his genitals. Of course, what blueprint am I speaking? I'm speaking mostly sexual and. Mm -hmm. He is a sensual kinky and he's turned off. I would touch his his genitals in the car and he'd be like, what are you doing? I would do striptease and he'd be like, you don't need to do that. It's too obvious. And I would be so shut down. I'm crying myself to sleep at night, thinking he's not attracted to me. What's wrong with me? You know, maybe I need to leave this relationship. I don't know if I love him anymore. And these are the things that are rolling through my head when all it was, was that we were speaking different languages. So I get this book and I'm like, okay, I need to learn some rope ties. I get some rope out. I saw an erection out of him like I'd never seen before. I was like, what is this? And all of a sudden it clicked. He's kinky. He's kinky sensual. I'm sexual energetic we he was coming to bed cuddling with me and I wasn't getting the message I'm like oh God he's cuddling with me again tonight I guess we're going to bed we just had completely mixed wires and now we can laugh about it he was one one night he was playing with me energetically he had like his hands hovering over my genitals and I'm like having all these orgasms roll through me and he just gets up and walks away and for an energetic that is like pulling the socket out of a you know light like pulling the plug out of a light socket and he he gets up and he's like I have to go Switch the music. And and I said, What are you doing? He goes, It's just my sensual. And I could laugh because his sensual needed to change the music because he's caught up in his head about it's not the right song and the environment's just not right. So he could be present with me and give me his full presence energetically, which is so important to the energetic to feel your partner's full presence and for them not to be distracted by anything. So you guys can kind of start seeing how these blueprints show up in relationship, but also if you're dating. You know, I had I had a client who was like, I would have effed it all up with all these people if I didn't know the blueprints, because now I could see like, oh, wait a minute, he's an energetic, I'm going to approach this a little differently. And oh, now I can see his sensual coming out. And she could see what something that's more advanced was just somebody's blueprint stack, which is kind of what the quiz give gave you, which is what you're you know, how you're stacked, I'm energetic, and then sexual, and then I kind of go back to energetic. And then I might pop into some sensual kinkies in there at the, the very last and only if I'm playing with my partner, Ian, otherwise it's not really going to show up too much. So I think you guys are starting to get an idea and I hope everybody's taking notes and you're starting to hear yourself or feel yourself. And now I didn't talk about the kinky shadow or superpowers, but kinky is kind of like an energetic can have orgasms without being touched. They can go into something called subspace, which is like an altered state of consciousness. They can have they have an endless variety of creativity and their eroticism. I often say, I will be learning about kink for the rest of my life and never have really scratched the surface of everything that there is to learn within that blueprint. On the shadow side, it's shame. Sexuals can experience shame too, especially if you're a female-bodied sexual, because that's not okay in our culture and we have a lot of slut shaming. Um, But the biggest area of shame that shows up really is in the kinky, judging yourself as weird, judging yourself as wrong, uh, thinking there's something must be wrong with you because you like these taboo desires. And the truth is, is that all the research shows that people who are kinky actually have better mental health than the rest of us. So for those of you who are hearing this and you're kinky, you have something to celebrate. Yay, you are mentally healthy. And my partner, Ian, kept asking why. Why am I like this? Why am I like this? I don't know. I don't have any abuse history. I don't understand. Why am I like this? And finally, someone just said, stop asking why and enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that these are your turn-ons. It's fun. It's interesting. It's creative. Go for it.
0: I love it. I love it. And we've got the final one, which is the shapeshifter. Yes. And this one's third
1: in your stack. So shapeshifter is someone who is, they can speak every language. There's someone, if we had The language and the energetic that is this beautiful Chinese with this calligraphy. And we had an essential French and with sexual, it's American English. And then we get to like some ancient Persian language with the kinky. When we get to shapeshifter, it's someone who is fluent in all languages. They're the most erotically intelligent of all of the blueprints. And yet they often will describe themselves as very complex, wanting too much, desiring too much, needing too much they've been told they're too much. So if you have been told in in the past from a lover that you are too much, either that partner was sexual and didn't understand any of the other blueprints, or you are a shapeshifter. And it's not that you're too much. It's just that you have an epic sexuality. You can speak all these languages and you can shapeshift to be an ultimate lover to anybody because you can speak everything. On the shadow side of this is because you're shapeshifting you're oftentimes starving. So you shapeshift to be what someone else wants you to be. You may shapeshift to be sensual and therefore you're always being sensual but then you're starving and you're kinky and you're sexual and you're energetic. And your shapeshifterness. Or you feel like you're too much so you shut down who you really are and you aren't freely being like out there and big and bold and and true to who you are. I see this a lot with my shapeshifter clients that I'm working with where there's just fear of if I let myself out of the box, then what? Then I'm a hedonist. Then I'm a slut. Then I'm, I'm too much. And I just really want to encourage any of you who really relate to the shapeshifter. You're not too much. You're just intelligent. You're erotically intelligent. You're erotically gifted. And you're a gift to the world and the freedom of your expression because you give permission to everybody else to really play full out and be who they really are. So if you're a shapeshifter, congratulate yourself. I know some people, when they find out they're a shapeshifter, they like, oh, God. Or when they find out their partner is a shapeshifter, it's like, holy moly, how, how do I even start with this? I need eight arms and five hours to play sexually. And it may feel like that. You know, shapeshifters, you may feel like, gosh, we've been playing for an hour. I'm just getting started. Come on, let's go. We need more, 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 more. More is your code word. So there's another piece to the shapeshifter in that you may have the shadow of every type. And I kind of think there's like a sixth type, which is where you're a shadow shapeshifter. And this is somebody who has all the shadow pieces, but not any of the positive, none of the accelerator, just only breaks. So I'd say that, you know, in that instance, then it's really time to focus on healing to find out where are the accelerators, but let's really clear the breaks. That's where it's a lot what a lot of us need to work on is. What are our breaks and how do we heal that? How do we move through that? Or be with it and accept it and shape our sexuality around that. This is so important,
0: this work. Like I'm thinking back as you were talking to ex-partners and just how, if I had have known this information back then, just how different things may have unfolded. I mean, everything is perfect, but I just see how much this work has deepened my relationship with my husband and just opening the dialogue and having the conversation with them. It is so important. So I highly recommend everyone go to the show notes and check out the quiz and discover what you are and send it to your partner and see what they are and just have an open dialogue around it and see how your sexual relationship can really expand and I think it starts there doing the quiz and having an open conversation and going from there and you know for me it's like I'm married and I I want to continue to grow and learn within my relationship and I want to continue to go deeper And the only way that we're going to do that is by having these open conversations. So I really want to encourage everybody to head to the show notes and do your quiz to discover what erotic blueprint you are. So I would love now to turn the spotlight on you and I'd love to ask you a couple of questions. Everything we've spoken about has been so amazing and I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world.
1: I'd love to hear now, what do you attribute your success to? I think it all comes back to a mission. I believe there's something greater than me behind all of this. It's not me. I'm just a messenger. I mean, there, there's a part of what I contribute. But really, it, it's about the, I have so much passion for a mission. I won't give up. I've been at this for two decades, and I, I just refuse to give up, no matter what has happened in my life. No matter what hardships, no matter the persecution I've experienced, the challenges, the struggles, the trying, I am not a business person. And most people would say, Oh my God, Jaya, you're such a business person. But I've had to learn to be a business person so that I could get the mission out. And if I didn't have the mission, I would never have learned because boy, do I want to know how to do accounting spreadsheets every week? No. Do I want to learn how to do like legal documents and contracts? No. I'm going to talk about sex, fun stuff that we're doing. But in order to have a successful business, I had to really, and to have my mission out there because the mission is supported by the success of the business. The mission is supported by the coaches that we train and our training programs and the success of getting the message out there and having this conversation out in the culture. And I believe that a big piece of that has been because I've been willing to really dive into stuff like learning really how to be a grown up around having a business and leading a team. I'm, a, I am an organization queen. So I will say I do love that. And. I think there's also just something bigger that I can't, I can't really speak to, but I feel like there is something that is a wind beneath my wings. No matter how much I get struck down, I just get back up again. I'm like a Daruma doll. I don't know if any of you have ever heard the story of the Daruma doll, but it's those little round guys that. They're kind of like like kind of Buddhist looking round guys, and you knock them down once and they just get back up. And if you knock them down again, they get up even harder. If you knock them down again, they get even harder. And by the eighth time that you knock them down, they're gonna hit you back. And and that's I kind of feel like I'm a Jerumidal. And it's just that that I'm so driven around making a difference in this world. Well, thank goodness,
0: because the work you're doing is
1: so powerful
0: and so important. So keep doing it. Thank you. I'd love to hear now, what is one thing that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? Having
1: my own back. This is an interesting topic. And my partner and I do these crazy experiments. So that's bringing me, it's it's interesting, it's hard, but it's bringing me joy at the same time. And it ties into having my own back. I think that I'm a person who's very willing to take risks and risks actually bring me joy because on the other end, there's so much growth. And I, I am addicted to growth. It's one of my highest values is I need to be growing. I need to be looking at places where I'm unconscious so that I can get more conscious. And my partner and I just decided to do this really intense experience. And it, it kind of stemmed around, I felt like he didn't have my back in certain places. And what we decided to do was unravel, we've been together for 10 years. We have an eight-year-old son. We've lived together during this time. We just decided that we were gonna let go of everything that we know. Meaning we're gonna let go of our relationship. We're gonna let go of living together. We're gonna let go of sleeping in the same room together. We're gonna let go of our business he, he also he and I also work together in our business. We're gonna let go of all of it. Any agreements that we have, spoken or unspoken, getting conscious to the agreements that we have and do a grand experiment. Of every two weeks, we recreate agreements. What's the agreement this week? We took sex off the table, which is huge for a sexual. Oh my God, I thought I was going to die the first two weeks. But it's been almost two months now. And we're creating an epic, epic relationship because we noticed all the patterns. We're breaking all the patterns. We're breaking all the enmeshment. We're breaking anything that was there. And we're completely reinventing our relationship. And I think that this is advanced work. I don't recommend people do this at home um, unless you have a lot of support around you because it's scary to break every single agreement that you have, everything that you've ever known. We moved locations. We got in a separate apartment and I have a separate house, like all of this. We just like, boom, New York, New Year. We just decided to completely break everything up and reinvent. And let me tell you, the heat between us has been unbelievable because my energetic is so happy with all the anticipation and tease and like, okay, this week, are we going to decide to put intercourse back on the table or, you know, we just put like hugging and kissing and some heavy petting. And let me tell you, the makeout sessions are unbelievable. And that is bringing me a lot of joy, not to mention that I really saw the pattern of how I didn't have my own back. So how could anyone else have my back if I didn't have my own back? And so I'm really breaking that pattern and learning how to have my own back so that I can invite more male masculine protection into my life and more protection in general. I'm just looking, this is my year of being completely fiercely protected. And the more protected I am, the bigger I can play in the world and the more freely erotically expressed I can get as a leader in the sexuality industry. And so it's really important for the mission that I feel protected. And this is part of that experiment. Mm,
0: I love that. That's so fascinating. And what inspired the experiment?
1: So a lot of it was about breaking patterns and breaking all agreements so that we could make sure that the agreements that we had were actually serving us and uncovering needs that were unspoken. So were there any needs that we weren't speaking because we were caught in a dynamic or we were afraid to lose the relationship? And then, I mean, there's a lot of, there's so much uncertainty and you have to be able to handle a high level of uncertainty, I think, to be able to do an experiment like this. But there is so much uncertainty and so much, you know, okay, now what are we doing? Now what's the agreement? And Recommitting and then noticing, Oh my goodness, here's a pattern we were in. And Oh my goodness, that's an agreement I had made unconsciously. And now I'm not sure I want that agreement anymore. Can we renegotiate? And just continually being in, in that recreation so that we can heal and then we could create epic is what really inspired me to, to end the pattern because the pattern was going to end our relationship eventually. And I could foresee that I could see like, wait a minute, there's a pattern here that if we don't shift, our epic relationship that we have is going to be in danger. And I hit kind of a cracking point of like, oh, you know how you can sometimes see the train coming down the track? I could see the train coming down the track and I knew that if we didn't mix something up or shift something, I would I would go out. Like I would lose attraction or I would leave knowing myself. And that's, I think it's really important to really know yourself enough to know what you need so that you can create epic in your life.
0: Is there anything that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the
1: moment? Hmm. I think the biggest thing, this is the, the thing that I have been working on the most and I just spoke to it is the having my own back. And I, I want you all to think about like, where do you not speak up? Energetics, where do you not create boundaries in your life? And say, you know what? No, that's not okay. Or I need more space or stop or slow down sensuals where are you not creating the sensual environment or the where do you did you not upgrade your life or where are you not asking to be protected so that you can feel completely comfortable and relaxed sexuals where are you not asking for your sexual needs to be met and and how important that is because for sexual sex is like food air water where have you given up or resigned or you stopped because you were rejected in the past Shapeshifters, where are you shapeshifting to please everybody else? And you're not getting pleased yourself because you've become such the pleaser and you can do it very well, but there's something not quite being pleased. And kinkies, where are you judging yourselves so much that you're not owning who you are and your desires and speaking up those desires and needs as well. And so we all have a way in which we don't have our own backs and we abandon ourselves and we abandon creating boundaries because so many of us think as boundaries is a bad thing. And I want to, I want you to think about boundaries as the best thing ever. Your boundaries allow you to expand. Your boundaries allow you to play all the way to your edges. Your boundaries give you freedom. Your boundaries create freedom in your body, softening in your body. So many great things. And so this, what I've been working on is having my own back, protecting myself and standing up for myself and saying, that's not okay with me that's not okay with me it's not okay with me and and therefore now other people step up to protect me because before I would let it like everybody kind of override and I never stood up for myself and therefore other people wouldn't stand up for me either so in protecting myself my partner's stepping up my friends are stepping up and my community and my coaches can all step up to protect me because I have my own back and I'm creating my own boundaries and that's healthy
0: Absolutely. In my book, Open Wide, I talk a lot about setting boundaries in all areas of your life. And the response I've gotten from so many women is just like, thank you for giving me permission to set these boundaries within my health and within my relationship and within my career. And setting healthy boundaries is absolutely a necessity if you want to live your best life and and show up in the world as the best version of yourself. So thank you for saying that. Now, let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Now, besides your books, what is the one book that you would put in the curriculum?
1: Wow. That is a great there's like 50 books like flying through my head like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, there's a book that I recommend anybody who wants to be in relationship with me has to read. <laughs> So I would go with that book, which that book is called Mastering Alive Relationships. I love this book. I've read it probably 50 times. I've taken the binding off of it. I've bound it myself. I've highlighted it. I've written the highlighted notes out. And I swear this book is magic because every time I read it, I think it's a different book. It's by Frank Natalie. I think it's out of print. It's very hard to get. I used to buy every copy that would come on eBay (laughs) Or like Amazon or anything like anytime I could find anybody selling it anywhere I would buy as many copies as I can um, they may still be printing it I don't know if they started printing it again but um, this book Mastering Alive Relationships by Frank Natalie has just been it's been very important to me in my life and in how I create relationships with honesty and authenticity.
0: Great I'm gonna definitely be going searching for that one so thanks for that recommendation. So let's talk about how your day looks and in particular, your morning routine. I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day and how they set themselves up for success. So do you have a morning routine that you
1: do each day? One of our core brand values and lifestyle values is pleasure first. So we do everything. Our business meetings start with pleasure first. Our day starts with pleasure first. Conversations start with pleasure first. It's become a lifestyle. So all of our core brand values, we really work on them being a lifestyle. So I have my friend, Kristen Sweeting Morelli. She really was instrumental for my birthday just a a month ago, really creating an epic bedroom for me. So I have a heavy fur blanket and it's a dark room and it's just like so beautiful crystals and just epic. It's just My bedroom is so delicious and sensual. It really helps to get a sensual friend to help you out. (laughs) If you are not a sensual, to create sensual in your bedroom. Oh, I wanted to say something about the blueprints because what to do with them next. When you know your blueprint, make sure you feed your blueprint, speak your blueprint, heal the shadow of the blueprint, and then expand the blueprint. I'm really working on expanding my sensual side. So pleasure first when I wake in my morning, I'm feeling the sheets. I might do some self pleasure or some clitoral stroking if I, you know, if I'm inspired for that. I will start my aromatherapy diffuser. I'm big on aromatherapy, so I do um, usually some kind of just blend that I'm making myself. I have like a hundred different essential oils, and I just kind of mix something up depending on what the day is. I take my supplements. I do my. I make my smoothie. I don't have it yet because there's a whole regimen with my supplements. And sometimes like this morning, I did a hot bath in my jacuzzi tub. So it's just, I'm just seeking pleasure. Maybe it's stretching in the morning, but it's like I kind of ask myself first thing in the morning, what would make this more pleasurable today? What would make this day more pleasurable? What should I do? And I follow my body. And what my body would like to do that morning that would help make that day even more pleasurable. Mm, I love that. So beautiful and so
0: rewarding. I just had a warm Epsom salt and essential oil bath this morning and it just, oh, so delicious. So I'd love to hear now, what are three things you're most recently grateful for?
1: I'm really grateful that my son and I We're making a book together, which is really fun of like monsters and mythical creatures and like potions and herbs in nature, like a cool little like magic book. He just got into this. And last night we spent hours making drawings of monsters. And this morning we were looking up selkies and the mythology behind a selkie. And just it's been so fun. And I'm so grateful for those moments with my son When I can bond with him, because motherhood has been really, really challenging for me, and so that's one thing I'm really grateful for. Those that moments of just like sitting for hours making a book with him on magical creatures—that's been so fun. I'm really grateful for my partner Ian and the experiment that we're in, and we share appreciation every single day for each other as part of this experiment. And I have to say, you know, for the last three days he's been gone because I needed the space. I was like, all right, I need space. And it's part of our agreement that when I need space, he's going to go stay somewhere else. And I'm just grateful for him to constantly be in these experiments with me and that he's willing to dive into our hardest experiment of all, which is the riskiest. And, and even being willing to lose me that I'm just so grateful that he's, he's willing to dive in and be in the recreation of our relationship and keep diving into these experiments and reinvent so we can have, everything that we desire, even if it means not being together anymore. I don't think that that, that's where we're headed, but he's willing to take that risk. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And I'm also super grateful for my, my best friend, my bestie, her name is Kristen, Kristen Sweetie Morelli. And having a sister, I think it's really important as women that we have sisters and I've never seen the value in it before until I got a really close sister who got me, who had my back that we could go just do epic things with uh, together, you know, like, and, and who's just so open to me being me and accepting me and loving me as well as calling me to account and calling me to step up and be the best person that I can possibly be. Having a sisterhood like that is something I'm so grateful for.
0: Mm, me too. How good are soul sisters? Mm-hmm.
1: I need more of them in my life. Yeah. They're so
0: beautiful. Okay. I've got three rapid fire questions for you. In your opinion, what is one thing that we can do today for more health in our
1: life? Measure it. You can change it when you measure it. I think Brendan Burchard said, you can't change what you don't measure. And I say, go get your hormones tested, go get testing done to see where you're at. Get a full blood panel, get some workup, I got my brain scanned recently. I like to see what's going on in my body. And I found out I had places in my brain where I wasn't getting blood flow and that there was brain trauma. So I'd say get tests and measurements and then go seek becoming a detective. Don't just follow what people say or go on the medications, but like, unless that is dire, but really seek alternatives
0: in your health. Okay. Next one is, what is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our
1: life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Really look at your money stuff. I think money money is an energetic game and look at your scarcity, look at what it means. This is another thing I'm diving into. So I'm looking at what's my fear. If I have too much money, somebody's going to take it away. If I don't have enough, there's shame. So just really looking at it and seeing money as an energetic game. And the more you clear your energy and the more you get right with money and the energy of money, the more success you'll have with it. Absolutely. We've
0: spoken a lot about that on the show and it keeps coming up and we've got to rewrite those money stories and let go of those limiting money beliefs that are either borrowed or inherited from
1: our family and create our own. Same with you know, our sexuality. Yep. And I I was just going to say, money and sex are very tied. I did a money and sex challenge, which completely radically changed my relationship with money because oftentimes the shame we feel around sexuality, we feel a similar shame around money. So if we can heal that money shame and heal our sex shame, watch out, world.
0: And last one, what is one thing we can do for more love in our life? Something that we can
1: do today? I think one way is knowing who you are and understanding who other people are. And honoring those people for who they are, seeing the truth for who they are, and then deciding where you're going to love them from. This is something I learned from my, my dear friend, Kristen, that I've talked about, is how you can love someone, but you don't have to have them very close to you. And you can love someone and have them very close to you. But it's knowing who that person is and knowing who you are and how you come together that tells you how close you let them. So an example here is I'm not going to, I could love someone, but I may not have a deep, deep relationship where they're very close to me if they can't have my back. So something like that is an example of like, what do you really need? Who are you and who are they? And get really honest about who they are and then put them where you can love them. Because if I move them too close, I can't love them. I'm going to be angry at them and resent them But if I know like, okay, this is a person who can't have my back, I can love them if they're here. But if I bring them too close, I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get angry. My body's going to have tension and that's going to blow up the love between us.
0: And I've got one more question, beautiful lady. How can the listeners and I serve you today? What can we do to serve you? Thank you. My big
1: ask is to go take that quiz. I think that the more people take it, the more information we gather. So everybody who takes the quiz, everything's confidential. We don't share the information with anybody. But my goal is to have a million people take that quiz. And we're almost at 50,000. And it's only been out about a year, which is pretty epic, I think. But if we can get a million people to take that, imagine just the information around myth busting, around sexuality. Because I'm looking at all of that information and going, wait a minute, men aren't all sexual. And wait a minute, the majority of people are actually energetic here. And that's really valuable information for the world. Not to mention, let's start a conversation. It starts a conversation and we start to up-level the consciousness around sexuality. When we up-level the, the conversation, we end the silence. So share it, take the quiz, you'll get a video along with it. So you'll see a video of me telling you more about your blueprint type that goes a little deeper than what we talked about today. Uh, And we will link
0: to that in the show notes. Don't you worry. I highly recommend everyone go and do it. It's a free quiz and it's so amazing and so in-depth. For me, I was so fascinated. I was like, wow, I had no idea in the video that you get kind of downloading all of the information is just so thorough and so deep. So I want to thank you for that. And I just Before we go, I just want to acknowledge you and I want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world and for being a voice, for your mission, for spreading your mission. You are so prolific in your work. Your work is amazing. The things that you are writing and creating, the programs, everything is just so beautiful. I've been following you for years through our mutual friend, Daniel Vitalis, who's also been on the podcast. That's where I first heard about you. He is just adorable. I adore him so much. And I'm just so grateful that you are out there, honey, doing this work and being a voice and Just being unapologetic about it and being vulnerable and sharing your rawness and your vulnerability with, you know, what's going on for you and your partner. It's so refreshing. It's really refreshing. And I'm so grateful that you're doing this work. And I'm so deeply honored to have this conversation with you
1: and want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Mm, Thank you so much. And thank you so much for that support. Like my whole body just feels warm and tingly and, and lovely. So thank you for being a voice as well because I know any of us in female bodies who are out here putting ourselves out there speaking our voice it's big and it's epic and we're changing the world so thank you for being one of those catalysts too
0: can you guys see how understanding this information will radically rock your relationships including your relationship with yourself It's pretty epic. So please head to the show notes and take this quiz today and get your partner to take it too. It's so fascinating. And please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Jaya and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 77. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Just a reminder that you can now order my second book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. All you have to do is head to Melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And you can also check out mine and Nick's free Open Wide video masterclass that we have created just for you. So make sure you go and check that out. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it with them on social media, email or text, do whatever you've got to do to get this episode in their ears and until next time don't forget that love is sexy healthy is liberating and wealthy isn't a dirty word